Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to talk about the potential for 5G wireless communications in the freight transportation industry. This next-generation technology standard promises greater bandwidth, faster speeds, and improved reliability, all of which could help accelerate the expansion of onboard sensors and connected devices on commercial trucks and trailers. But this isn't going to happen overnight. It will take years for 5G coverage to expand to the point where it will become prevalent in transportation. So how long will it take for 5G to arrive in trucking? And how might it change fleet communications in the years ahead? We'll set out to answer those questions in this episode. To learn more about the future of 5G, we're going to speak with two trucking technology experts. Later in the program, we're going to bring in John Bender, Director of Wireless Operations for Trimble Transportation. But first, I'm excited to welcome Chris Wolf, CEO of PowerFleet. Thanks for joining the program, Chris. Hey, great to be here, Seth. Great to have you on the podcast. Uh, I know there's a lot to talk about with uh, uh, the emergence of 5G wireless networks, in the, especially in the consumer market. But I'm eager to hear your thoughts on what this is going to mean for the future of fleet tracking. You know, so what do you think, how do you see 5G changing the freight transportation industry in the years ahead as 5G starts to come online? I think it'll actually be revolutionary. Uh, you know, I've been in the industry for over 30 years. I started out as a technologist uh, and the technology curve to me is just phenomenal right now. And it's not just 5G, but it's the confluence of about five technologies that will put probably, it'll put 5G on steroids. And that, those are like sensor technology, imaging technology, machine learning, and also the predictive analytics capabilities that are coming online. Now, there's a lot of hype about 5G, um, but what do you think is the timing in our industry? You know, it's going to take some time for coverage to expand nationwide. Uh, when do you think it'll start to make sense for fleet operations? Uh, if if your products right now aren't 4G LTE or they don't have an LTE uh, moniker, then you're probably in trouble because what's happening is the networks, at least the two major networks here in the States, have already uh, decided about 18 to 24 months, I think, is a horizon to switch their 3G spectrum over to 5G. So if you think about if you have 10,000 trailers, if you have 8,000 trailers or 2,000 trailers, I don't think you want to wait till the last day to try and get those all upgraded. But if you do have LTE as a moniker, that standard is actually uh, a grandfathered in under the 5G spectrum. And the d danger about 5G and the 3G, the, the role, just like 2G and 3G, is it's not going to go all at once and it's not going to be ubiquitous at once. So you still need a product that can move to the next level, but stay uh, at the current 3G level for a period of time. So what's happening right now with the the sunset that you described with, with 3G wireless networks? You know, if you're a you know, a fleet operator with, with a bunch of 3G devices still out in the field, you know, of course, you need to move pretty quickly to, to have them replaced. Uh, but that's going to be replacing them with uh, 4G devices right now, right? 4G LTE? As long as it's 4G with the LTE. And because, uh, again, that 
that standard and that capability will run under the 5G network when it's up and running. So you're not going to lose anything. And that that is actually, you know, getting you under the 5G umbrella if you're under LTE. Okay, got it. And just how how soon do you think 5G will become you know, a, a real industry standard? I think we're moving into a phase now where 4G is very much uh, you know the industry standard right now. Um, but when do you think 5G will become you know prevalent enough that you would make that distinction? Well, the first decision point uh, customers and carriers have to make is you know when do I need to start my migration? And literally, that's now. I mean, you don't need to do a, you know, throw it all out and move over. But, you know, if you're not planning and starting your upgrade process right now, uh, you're already probably behind the eight ball. Uh, but that being said, 5G will be phenomenally prevalent, uh, I'd say three to four years out. So in the next 18 to 24 months, though, they've already started repurposing 3G spectrum in some places. So if you're 3G only right now, you might go dark. Uh, there's already places I mean, we've heard of in Wisconsin. Uh, we can see them in the, near New York City. Uh, so again, it's because our systems, if you're in a, in a trailer, a tractor, a chassis or truck, that's a moving asset. And so you'll be in and out of coverage. And so when it gets in coverage, it all sinks back up. So we kind of hide the fact that, you know, you, you, this one area was only, uh, you know, dark for a little while, but over time, that's just going to get, you know, bigger and bigger black holes out there. So there's definitely some, some real urgency at this stage. If you're still operating with, you know, 3G tracking devices on your your, your tractors and your trailers, you know, it's, it's time, it's probably past time to you know, not only have a plan, but to get moving on it. And I would, and if I, if I could add, I mean, because again, I used to develop these products. I used to work at Qualcomm and Omnitrax and, you know, now here at Powerfleet, uh, what we decided to do, and this was about three years ago, you know, we re-engineered all of our tracking products to not be tracking products. Because if you look at what 5G can enable, with all the sensor technology I mentioned, the imaging technology, uh, you really need to come at it with a platform approach. So instead of replacing a tracking unit with a tracking unit, you know, why not replace it with a platform that you can like, uh, you know, like Legos you can add on to later. You know, oh, I want a weight sensor. Oh, I want a, a, a cargo camera, et cetera. Uh, if you just go with a tracking unit, that's all you're going to have, and, and you're going to miss miss out on all the capability. And uh, speaking of that, I mean, you, you alluded to this earlier as well. Uh, you know, we've really seen, you know, this concept of the Internet of Things, you know, really has expanded, you know, throughout our society, but very much in the transportation industry as well, uh, you know, much more than, you know, sort of the basic, you know, where's my trailer uh, approach uh, of, of the past to now, you know, cargo sensors, you know, wh when is the door opening? You know, what are, what are the conditions inside the trailer? Maybe even tracking the cargo. Uh, so just more and more sensors, just more and more information. Uh, so where do you see this all going? What do you think is next for IoT and trucking? And, and what kinds of new sensors might we see in the future as we continue to see, see the technology evolve? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, this is kind of where I see 5G. You know, if you think about like the human body, you know, 5G to me is the nervous system. It is actually the transport layer that just enables sensor data, whether it be imaging from your eyeballs, uh, hearing, uh, smell, touch, uh, you know, which are other the sensors, whether it's humidity, uh, temperature, uh, th those sensors all have to feed back using a high-speed network uh, with low latency. And what, what do you have to have at the end of that? You have to have machine learning. You're going to have so much uh, data overload that unless you are sorting through, because you're going to get not just your data, you know, we're actually building our platforms to gather what we call collateral data. And what does that mean? That means your, you know, your cell phone or your tracking unit 
you know, the, it's talking to every other tracking unit, right? You pull up your cell phone, look at the Bluetooth uh, Mac addresses or your computer and you'll see all the Wi-Fi addresses. Those are all things that are near you. Well, that's could be very important if you're trying to recreate an accident, if you're trying to recreate a, a theft incident. Uh, so what we do is we have built our systems to bring all that collateral data and that collateral data has to go through machine learning algorithms to find out what's applicable and what's noise. And uh, again, I think that avalanche of data, if you haven't architected your systems correctly, uh, you're not going to really be able to s s you know, sift through that and get meaningful information. Uh, certainly. I mean, I think that you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I hear this from uh, you know, multiple you know, fleet executives whose companies are uh, kind of on the leading edge of technology. They'll say that the, the challenge is you know, less about acquiring the data and more about interpreting the data and, and really digesting it and, and making it actionable uh, so you can really drive business decisions and improve your operations. Yeah, I would almost challenge everybody out there. I've been developing systems as systems architect for years, and I always ask my engineers, you know, the, the so what question. So, so what? You get a lot of information back. You, you have a great report. It shows you some anomalies. So what? In other words, everything should be actionable. You know, why present somebody, something to somebody without giving them three things they can do to fix it, to make it better, to improve it, or, you know, maybe institutionalize it. So again, I think you're going to see that the architectures and the technology and the capability we have today will be, uh, will allow more actionable data. You know, before it was all like after the fact reporting, and then it was, you know, it, it was all, hey, I'll change my processes, but I'm only looking at historical data. Now it's got to be real time and, and real time yeah. uh, reactionary. Where is the electric truck industry at now? On the next episode of Transport Topics Newsmakers, Trevor Milton, the founder and executive chairman of Nikola, joins me, Dan Ronan, to discuss the evolution of electric trucks. Tune in for the live broadcast on Tuesday, July the 28th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks to our sponsor, Full Bay. Registration is free. Sign up at ttn.ws forward slash newsmakers02. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, I also want to take a moment to talk about uh, you know this this a very unusual moment that we're all in with the coronavirus pandemic. You know, of course, this has put a lot of uh, financial strain on on certain segments of the trucking industry. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's also shined the spotlight on you know really the need for good technology and IT systems to to manage this kind of disruption and, and volatility that we've seen in the freight market. Uh, so I want to get your take on this. You know, how do you think the pandemic is going to affect technology investment in our industry moving forward? That's a great question. I think, you know, the the companies right now that see the problem and the problem is uh, really a lack of flexibility because our supply chains, depending on what you're in, if you're in heavy manufacturing and not essentials, I mean, it basically went dead. If you were in food and grocery distribution, it was on fire. Uh, but if you were in the bulk side of that, which is like restaurants, sporting events, and uh, amusement parks, you know that actually died as well. And then you look at, uh, you know, in the automotive side, just another add-on to that is uh, all the rental cars. Right, now, companies are you know, lost 80% of their business. Right, so they're selling cars, which now that's going to put price pressure on cars. So even though you might restart the car manufacturers now, 
you know, the price of cars, it's like, why buy a new car if you can go buy a used one at a phenomenally reduced rate? But all that being said is I think we need to have a lot more flexibility in our system. We need to be able to move pieces, parts of our logistics chain. And and that means customers working with uh, competitors even. So different carriers at, you know, like why can't we reposition uh, fleets that we're doing uh, certain types of uh, non-essential hauling and repurpose them to take care of some of these bottlenecks that we had in the uh, food and grocery distribution side. I, I actually believe, you know, one thing that's going to come out of this is one thing we, you know, the whole government needs to step up and do is like a strategic food reserve. Like we have a strategic petroleum reserve, uh, but at the same time, have the flexibility, like through FEMA or somebody, to say, "Hey, look, we have to have trucks and operations and whatever down in this area. You know, we have to have pop-up uh, meat processing plants." You know, instead of these, uh, you know, mammoth ones that do 10% of the U.S. food supply. So I, I think as a as a, as a country and as, as specifically as a logistics uh, organization and associations, you know, we need to really figure out how we can be a lot more flexible and also have a lot more surge potential in certain areas. And technology can help with all that because visibility of where the assets are and what their status is. I mean, if you think about it, it all comes back to uh, demanding uh, capacity uh, matching, right? Certainly. And uh, I, I do think that a lot of uh, people in, in government, um, you know, federal, state, local levels, you know, all realize just how important uh, you know, the supply chain is uh, as they went through this uh, uh, this pandemic and, you know, just making, making sure that, uh, you know, uh, rest stops and uh, drivers, you know, had access to food, things like that. But, uh, you know, of course, on the fleet side as well, there's there's a, a tremendous uh, uh, need to be able to really manage your operations uh, carefully at a time like this. Um, but, you know, the flip side, of course, is, you know, some of those hard hit sectors of the industry. You know, there are companies that saw, you know, the revenue really take a big hit. Um do you think that these companies are going to buy, you know, just going to have to tighten their belts and they'll have to, to pull back on tech investment? Or do you think it's just going to be a prerequisite moving forward? You, you have to find a way to, you know, to have the you know, technology tools you need to, to run your business. I think it's going to be lumpy. I do see, you know, the, the companies that had, you know, good balance sheets and had a cash stash, they, you know, they'll invest and they, they, they know they need to, right? So we see that ourselves, you know, the companies that are buying technology. And historically, during a typical downturn, you know, a lot of trucking logistics companies, I actually come from the industry. I used to work at Roadway and Penske Logistics. Um, we would actually look to buy because it's, it's an opportune time to implement right? We were just talking about the 3G to 5G migration. You know, it's, it's, hey, if you're, you have trailers on the fence, it's a great time to go out and if you have the money and get all that work done and, and do it at a, a, a lower cost and all your equipment's available, right? Because, you know, you can actually do the installations all at one time. So some companies are doing that. Other companies, though, are more cash strapped. And so they're going to they're going to be at a competitive disadvantage because it's going to take them a while to do that investment. Now, I also want to talk about the uh, the latest developments at your company at Powerfleet. You know, this, the company, of course, was previously known as ID Systems, uh, but has been around for for many years. Uh, that being said, Powerfleet is still a, a relatively new brand in our industry. But uh, Chris, if you could just take us through, you know, the changes at your company and, and, and where you're heading uh, would be very helpful. No, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, three and a half years ago, uh, just a little bit on my background, I, I actually ran Omnitrax for five years. I was with Qualcomm for quite a period of time. And before that, I was in the industry, as I mentioned. 
that being said, as I joined PowerFleet about three and a half years ago, and the company was struggling at the time, it was called ID Systems. And we, our primary claim to fame was um, forklift uh, telematics. So basically making sure you're doing your OSHA checklist, uh, you, know, you had access control, and you knew about impacts and safety and also utilization. And by the way, you know, we're one of the largest uh, players in the world in that space. We also had uh, trailer tracking and chassis tracking at the time. But to be honest with you, the products were a little long in the tooth. And uh, so we set out and spent a lot of money over the last three years developing these platforms I talked about earlier, which are all uh, 4G, LTE, 5G uh, migration uh, capable, uh, but they're also uh, Bluetooth capable and enabled. They have multiple power options. So what we wanted to do is, again, build this ecosystem of technology. And we also have what I call bumper to bumper to dock. So we have an in-cab product with the ELDHOS. We have a refrigerated product with two-way command and control. We have a trailer. We have three different trailer tracking products, depending on what your use cases are. One, and this, we're very proud of this, is solar paneled with super cap technology. We're the only one in the industry with it. Uh, that unit will last over 15 years in the field. Uh, we, we came out with, we're the first ones to come out with uh, digital camera technology for detecting load capacity, how it's loaded. And we use machine learning on that to actually help people know how to unload freight, know if the load shifted in transit, uh, know if it was uh, loaded correctly even before you come pick it up and let the driver look to make sure he's, if he's supposed to pick up an empty trailer, guess what? Is it really empty? You know, maybe they stuffed it full of cardboard. Uh, and I, I do think our products were also engineered to enable uh, the velocity into and out of the yard. So it's like, get the trailer loaded, minimize the driver's time waiting to get into the yard, get to the right trailer, make sure it's in the right status, make sure it doesn't have any issues with it and ha help him get out of the yard as fast as possible so he can make more money. Uh, before I let you go, Chris, I also wanna get your thoughts, you know, longer term about, you know, the, the future of technology in the transportation industry. You know, there's, there's so much happening with IoT, like we talked about. Uh, of course, artificial intelligence and machine learning are going to be part of the, the path forward. You know, we're seeing a lot of development in terms of uh, business process automation in the back office. Uh, and we also see automated and electric vehicles uh, coming into our industry. Uh, what do you see as the most transformative trends that will shape our the future of our industry? I think what COVID showed us and, and what we've been talking about in a way is the more visibility you have, the more you can recognize choke points and bottlenecks. And like what we saw in the COVID thing, you know, we, we solve what the problems in our, in our supply chain. So how do you fix them? Uh, if you need capacity, where is it? So uh, that's all fixed with visibility. You know, you have to know where your assets are. You have to, and not just assets, where the freight is. I do think there's going to be multiple layers of uh, value propositions here. The cargo itself will become self-aware. Uh, the cost curve is getting down to the point where, you know, it used to be you, you do data recorders on pharmaceuticals, right? And it was very expensive and after the fact reporting, et cetera. You know, we have a product right now for $20, $20 on a pallet. By the way, it's reusable. So for every shipment of 26 pallets in a 53-foot trailer, you know, depending on what the commodities are, I can tell you the temp, the vibe, the shock, you know, everything about that one pallet in a 53-foot trailer. So if very high-value goods, obviously, will be the first ones to move that way. Then it'll be like goods that you know that, you know, have a short shelf life and you need to know that they get there in the right, uh, like with the right humidity and temp. You know, there was no over temp or over shock. Uh, 
But again, you're going to see some shippers and constantees are going to say, hey, I demand that. I want that on every shipment. You're going to say the trailers and the tractors and the drivers, the trucking companies obviously still need to have real-time information and all that sensor information so that they have flexibility and they can react faster uh, to operational scenarios. Well, this will all be fascinating to watch uh, in the years ahead, uh, but I think that's a good place to leave it. So thanks again, Chris, for joining the program and, and sharing all your thoughts. Appreciate it, Seth. Have a good day. Join Transport Topics in celebrating trucking's frontline heroes. On August 3rd, meet Peter Lacoste, driver for NFI Industries. It kind of feels good. You know, when you do something of service, the job gets done, sure, but it also gives you a little bit of personal satisfaction, you know, being part of the solution. I was always taught you get more if you give. There's more satisfaction in giving. Watch Peter's full introduction video and meet other heroes at ttnews.com. Next on Road Signs, we're excited to welcome John Bender, Director of Wireless Operations for Trimble Transportation. Thanks for joining the program, John. Oh, thank you for having us. Always uh, exciting to talk about technology and uh, the way it affects uh, transportation. So there's a lot of interest and excitement about 5G networks, of course, in the consumer market. But I'd like to talk to you about what this next generation of wireless technology will mean for trucking. Uh, of course, in recent years, we've seen you know, really an expansion of the Internet of Things and, and transportation uh, of course, Trimble's part of that with telematics, and uh, there's been many more devices and sensors on modern trucks and, and trailers uh, over the years. Uh, how, what will 5G mean for you know those types of uh, sensors that the the industry has adopted and, and have become increasingly commonplace? Uh, what's the next step there? I mean, are we just talking about more? Uh, reliability, you know, just more data. How will this play out? Well, so a, a couple of things. One, you know, we, we move uh, uh, the massive throughput that we have, you know, think about gigabyte uh, throughput uh, and what that means for virtually instant uh, communications back to the vehicle, uh, particularly in a safety mode. Um, you know, if you think of uh, devices, uh, trucks communicating to each other as they move down the road, uh, communicating road conditions, uh, traffic conditions. Uh, it, it, it's really the efficiency that gets enabled. So, uh, you know, no longer a worry about throughput, right? Does the network have capacity uh, because of the massive capacity that 5G enables? And it's a much more efficient network for the uh, operators to use as well. You know, if, if you look at uh, the bandwidth required for a 2G, a 3G, or a 4G connection, uh, you then understand why carriers are sunsetting those earlier technologies uh, because they are bandwidth hogs in some way compared to the throughput we get with 5G. So that, that virtually instant communication, uh, the uh, ability to know the status of, of a vehicle at all times, uh, the ability of, of safety uh, applications to react in, in millisecond delays and make instant decisions uh, that could affect, uh, you know, uh, life and uh, uh, safety of the driver and, of course, the, uh, the equipment itself. Uh, all of that is enabled uh, with 5G. Again, it's not to say that 4G doesn't get us close there, uh, but 5G really delivers on the promise of virtually instant communications anywhere uh, and, uh, uh, you know, fully enabled with, uh, 
with, with really no delay uh, in communications either. And of course, it's going to take some time for 5G coverage to expand across the country, you know, especially think about you know, trucking. There's so many you know, open spaces in the country uh, on you know, the interstates. Uh, when do you think it'll reach a point where it'll make sense for fleet operations? You know, how long will it take for you know, 5G to really make sense uh, in our industry? So uh, a, a great question and one that uh, we hear from fleets uh, all the time, you know, as we've moved through technology change uh, over the last uh, 20 years or so uh, with Trimble. So we expect to see the availability of the network and then the hardware along with standards uh, likely in the start of 2022. You know, so there's really uh, a several phases. One, the carriers acquire uh, the bandwidth they need for new networks. We continue to see the government enable uh, new bandwidth to uh, support the services that are there. They're uh, also sunsetting previous technologies so that they can use that bandwidth uh, for new technologies. Uh, then there's a hardware layer as well. Uh, and that is uh, once the carriers decide on their standards and how they want to use the bandwidth and technology that's out there, then they work with the vendors uh, the modem manufacturers to make sure that that equipment is compliant. Uh, then they begin the build out of coverage and uh, uh, coverage as you see announcements of uh, the various carriers and their 5G, they're typically telling you what cities have been enabled, right? You know, it's not the lanes of traffic between that are enabled with 5G at the moment, uh, but the metropolitan areas because they're really focusing in this initial phase uh, on the consumer side. So, you know, we, we often say within Trimble that coverage is king. Uh, you know, we can have great applications and, uh, uh, and uh, partners and integrations, uh, but if their device, the truck, is not able to communicate uh, in a certain location, well, then that's all for naught. So, uh, you know, it's really those, those four layers. The, the carrier is deciding on a standard, uh, then the availability of the, the modem hardware, um, the interoperability, meaning that uh, carrier B, you know, Verizon can use uh, AT&T's network, uh, AT&T can use T-Mobile Sprint, uh, and then communicate with operators around the world. So those standards are being put in place as well. Uh, and then, uh, of course, once all those standards and uh, hardware is in place, uh, then the build out of the networks. And, and again, we expect that uh, moment to be in early 2022. And you know, as we start to look ahead to 5G, of course, there's also a, a much more immediate uh, wireless technology transition uh, that we're going through right now with the, the looming sunset of 3G networks that you referenced earlier. Uh, so where is Trimble in that process right now? And, and what's your advice to fleets that you know, are still either going through or, or you know, just need to, to make plans to, to get onto 4G uh, and, and make that transition as smooth as possible. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I would encourage folks to, to lean in initially from a planning perspective, right? Uh, I'll just back up a bit. We, uh, at Trimble, we launched our 4G product uh, four and a half years ago now. Uh, we were trying to lean in, right? There, there's always kind of a bleeding edge there, but it, but in this case, uh, development and you know working with the carriers on when networks are available is critical uh, on the front end. Uh, and so you know we've uh, communicate uh, regularly with our customers on the status of the network. We hold uh, seminars, webinars, uh, much like we're talking about today, uh, to let them know when that jumping off point. But the whole idea there is so that they can plan from a capex perspective, right? You know, if I went to a to a an operator, a carrier of ours today, uh, and said, "Hey, we expect uh, 
5G uh, in early 2022. Uh, here's our roadmap. Um, you know, it's not, you know, it, I think generally from the operator side, the carrier side, um, you know, they're looking at perhaps uh, three years uh, from a CapEx budget. Uh, so it, it's about getting the news out there early um, so that they can plan and also uh, tie that in with their truck replacement schedule as well. Right. So that they're, uh, you know, uh, syncing those together. Now, there will be a transition, of course, between those. And, and what we've seen in the past is as network sunset, we've generally seen about a 10 year availability of previous technologies. Uh, and, and now that uh, 4G LTE is so ubiquitous. Uh, and the coverage is there, uh, we expect that network to last to at least 2030, and there are uh, other estimates out there to 2035, right? So uh, LTE coexists, let's say it this way, 4G coexists with 5G in the same way that previous technologies, 2 and 3G, have coexisted with 4G. You know, you look at what the networks are capable of uh, and what they enable, and there are, you know, multiple extremes. There are applications that require, uh, you know, 5G and other applications that are not as time sensitive that can operate on, on a previous network and hardware that combines 2G, 3G, 4, and perhaps 5G uh, technology into a single chip really guarantee, uh, you know, a long live uh, hardware plan. Uh, also within Trimble, we, we've recently introduced a hardware as a service. So, uh, you know, now we're bundling the hardware uh, into the service that's required to support it uh, and the applications as well so that there, we don't have that large CapEx uh, expense up front. That should also help our customers uh, that perhaps uh, don't have the larger budgets or don't have the, the, the staff to do this extended planning uh, to be able to jump right in. Uh, to a new technology uh, in a bundled bundled way. Now, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, also ask you about how the the coronavirus pandemic has, you know, affected the trucking technology sector. You know, of course, this has had a huge impact on you know the not only the transportation industry but but society at large. Uh, so, I'm just curious what you're seeing out there. I mean, have you found that fleets are starting to tighten their belts given the economic uncertainty or you know, on the flip side, are you hearing that the, the pandemic has actually highlighted the importance of telematics and, and just good IT systems and technology? To... So, so I, I, think, I think it's both sides, but it really um, highlights the enablement, right? The efficiencies that are in place uh, with a, you know, a telematic solution, a provider. Uh, we recently acquired an organization called Cubix uh, so that we really have end-to-end -end freight visibility. Uh, and the, uh, again, it's about the efficiency. So even before COVID, I would say that was the primary reason uh, to adopt the telematic solution, right? Uh, in, in the sense that, uh, you know, the, they're very small margins uh, in the business, uh, the ability to, you know, squeeze out the, even the most basic things like extra uh, miles per gallon uh, and tracking there, uh, but then also the driver efficiency um, as well. So as, as traffic has, you know, ramped up initially uh, during the early part of COVID and, and perhaps has leveled out a bit, um, again, it's that load matching, it's the uh, enablement of the uh, efficiencies uh, of telematics. I think that has really pointed out that COVID has really uh, made even more uh, important. 
right? The uh, uh, fewer drivers, perhaps, uh, better load matching, uh, looking at the safety, of course, uh, along the path. You know, there's been some lifting of, of some requirements, allowing drivers to uh, spend more time on the road, uh, and uh, the, the safety aspect that the telematics uh, enables as well, I think has uh, made this industry uh, uh, more important uh, to trucking. I, again, I would say the efficiency and the operational uh, efficiencies as well that uh, we have access to uh, is probably the most important. Uh, just from a from a back office or a work perspective uh, within Trimble, we were, were kind of well set up to, to manage this uh, in support of our customers before this happened. So uh, not much change there other than some folks uh, in the quality and development and, and fulfillment. Uh, but otherwise, we have not really missed a beat. Uh, and uh, in uh, communicating with our customers, it seems to be the case there uh, as well. You know, looking for more efficiency, uh, uh, particularly as uh, margins might get squeezed or loads, uh, you know, could be variable. So uh, unfortunately, one of the side effects of the uh, pandemic, of course, is what we've seen, you know, lots of uh, industry conferences, uh, in-person events have have gone to remote, uh, virtual only. Uh, and that's been the case for uh, uh, Trimble's Insight User Conference, which is coming up. You know, of course, I was looking forward to seeing you all in Orlando, but uh, I'll be sure to, to tune in for the virtual meeting uh, in August. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm curious, you know, just how much of a challenge has it been for your company and your customers to to adapt to working remotely, you know, especially in the back office environment and in you know, the conference settings? Uh, how have you managed to uh, to you know, kind of find your way through this, you know, really strange and challenging time. Yep. So they, uh, again, we, you know, we hold a lot of uh, business reviews with our customers. Uh, those were generally handled uh, in-house, right? Uh, you know, there was nothing uh, more important than that, that uh, line of sight, right, to your customer across the table and uh, uh, engaging with them. Uh, but our move to those business reviews has been virtual, and that has really not missed a step. Uh, although your your uh, great comment on our Insight Conference is this will be uh, new territory for us as well, so we've moved it entirely to a digital uh, format or a virtual format. Uh, actually, I would have uh, uh, I'll be hosting a session on much the same conversation we're having here today about technology change uh, and uh, transition to to new platforms uh, during that event. So uh, perhaps uh, you could uh, listen in on that. Um, uh, we're in the early stages of registration uh, and such there, but uh, so far the response has been strong. Uh, and I think uh, uh, folks are looking forward to uh, gaining as much knowledge as they can in a virtual sense. We're also looking to set up some uh, really kind of virtual chat rooms. You know, uh, sometimes at a conference, the, uh, the conversation as you leave a, a particular session uh, might be some of the most important or, or, you know, information gathering you get, you know, those side questions. And, and so we're going to enable some side chat rooms uh, so that that hallway chat uh, can continue, if you will, um, outside of a, you know, in a virtual, virtual way. Well, I look forward to, to seeing it and, uh, and tuning in uh, remotely. But, uh, you know, before I let you go, John, I also want to get your uh, kind of overall thoughts on, on the future of technology and the transportation industry. You know, it's a very broad question and also a, a crystal ball question. But, you know, just what are your overall thoughts on how do you think this industry might be different 10 years from now? Uh, so, uh, again, I think it, it uh, points to, to the 5G and, and what's enabled. And I, I think you'll see much more virtual 
uh, driving. Um, of course, not necessarily a big surprise there. Uh, you know, things even as basic as the platooning that we talk about today, where, you know, vehicles are traveling together. I think there'll be more enablement of, uh, of safety uh, issues along the way. And of course, uh, electric trucks um, will, will play a big role there. We've, uh, you know, as we've moved to sort of natural gas vehicles and now electric, uh, that means some changes for the way we uh, interact with the vehicles. So uh, that will continue. Uh, but again, I think there's more of a virtual uh, world from a, a trucking perspective. I, I mentioned things you could do even today uh, with an autonomous yard, if you will. I think you'll see more of that. That doesn't mean the driver is still not present in the vehicle. Uh, and uh, of course, a very important part of not only getting the goods delivered, but you know that, that interaction with their end customers uh, and presenting kind of the face of the business. Uh, there, but but uh, again, I, I think the primary uh, look ten years ahead will be uh, much more virtual, augmented reality uh, as it relates to getting goods uh, delivered uh, in a safe way, while still uh, you know promoting the efficiencies uh, that the technology will enable from uh, uh, you know miles per gallon or or, or uh, miles per kilowatt, <laughs> if you will, uh, along the way, and that uh, that that enablement. So, so far, there's no conversation about 6G, right? <laughs> uh, uh, but there could also be a development uh, along the way, although I think what we've gotten to with 5G is really kind of the best of the, the, the generations before it. Uh, you know, there used to be more competing technologies. It was CDMA, GSM, uh, you know, HSPA, multiple technologies. But as, as the carriers have realized the, uh, the need for a global footprint, uh, which is where, you know, Trimble's highly engaged there. Um, they're more willing to work together um, on, on networks and technology. And, and so uh, you know, the estimates for 5G uh, longevity are out to 2040 uh, and beyond. Uh, that doesn't mean there aren't some iterations along the way. But uh, I think the technology uh, that we see with 5G will, will relatively stay in place from a technology perspective and the, and the cellular carriers back office. Uh, but on the transportation side, I think you'll see an increase in the uh, uh, autonomous driving, virtual reality, and, uh, you know, using drivers uh, where it's most important and, and uh, using technology and efficiency uh, where the driver is not necessarily needed. Got it. Well, I think that's a good stopping point, John. You know, thanks again for joining the podcast and, and sharing your insights with us. Right. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original questions. When will 5G wireless technology arrive in trucking, and how might it change fleet communications in the future? As we've heard from our guests, 5G holds a great deal of promise for the transportation industry, but it's probably going to take a few more years for it to become commonplace in fleet operations. In the meantime, though, trucking companies need to complete the transition to the current standard, 4G LTE. Wireless carriers are in the process of sunsetting their 3G networks, so any fleets that are still relying on 3G devices on the trucks and trailers We'll need to replace them soon. And for companies that have already migrated to 4G LTE, it's not too early to start thinking about what 5G may bring to their operations in the future. Over time, the expansion of the Internet of Things has transformed fleet management. 
Modern trucking companies aren't merely tracking the location of their assets, they're collecting data on everything from tire pressure to cargo status. And the emergence of 5G will enable the next phase of that evolution. In the future, you can expect to see more sophisticated sensors, deeper data analytics, and above all, more actionable insights about your fleet operations. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Science, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Science team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Science. Until then, I'm Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.